0: Good morning, Hillcrest Church. My name's Pastor Brad. I'm on the staff here at Hillcrest, and I'm delighted to be with you this morning. And uh, I'm going to read a passage from Scripture from uh, John chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. So if you are in the the house, so to speak, and want to follow along in your Bible or on your digital device, you're welcome to do that. If you are joining us from home, welcome, and you can also turn to your Bible digital device Or since I won't know if you're reading, you can just sit there if you want and listen. But at any case, here it is, John chapter 12, verse 3 through 8. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet, and he wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objective. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a whole year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. I was, it was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Last Sunday, we began this series of sermons that we're in right now called. Uh, Living on Purpose, and if you were here or you happen to join our worship online, you heard me suggest to you that the first challenge that we must face if we want to live our lives on purpose is the challenge of how we measure our time. Living on purpose isn't always about cramming more activities into a day or more time being productive. Sometimes living on purpose is about recognizing that there is a difference between keeping time and the right time. Time is, of course, the great equalizer. Time flies whether we're having fun or not. Time marches on. You hear, all these, you hear all these references to time that we often use uh, all the time. Um, time marches on. And the only thing that we will have to show for it in the end is a re- the relationships that we have and the experiences that reflect our conviction that what is ultimately important in this life has more to do, listen to this, has more to do with the way we give time away than becoming more efficient. Today I'd like for us to give some consideration to the second reality of living on purpose, and that is each of us is gifted. And the way that we live on purpose is by acknowledging that our giftedness has been given to us by God so that we can use our gifts for the benefit of others. The scripture that I just read for you a moment ago is a remarkable story of how one of Jesus' disciples decided she was going to use her gift to bless others. It gives us a glimpse, really, of Mary's heart She was not in the same place as some of the other disciples when it comes to how she decided to use her gift of perfume in in, in the presence of Jesus. You probably noticed that in the scripture that I just read for you. Mary takes a bottle of very expensive perfume and she pours it on Jesus' feet as an act of pure devotion. And if that was not enough, she proceeds to wipe Jesus' feet with her hair. Now, to understand this act of generosity, we first must understand a little something about the ancient Near Eastern culture. Um, It was hot and it was often dry and dusty most of the time in Palestine as as it probably still is today. And as an act of hospitality, it was common practice when, when guests come into your home Before you invite them in, you would would provide them with a bowl of water in which they can clean the dust off their feet before they enter your home. Jesus was visiting the home of his friends, Lazarus and Mary and Martha in the town of Bethany. And we are told that Martha cooked this meal and and was preparing to serve it and that Lazarus was among those who were reclining at the table with perhaps Jesus' other disciples. And then suddenly, Mary shows up with this very expensive perfume. And and you can tell by the response of the other disciples that Mary's act of devotion was not sort of the typical way that guests would be treated with such a valuable commodity. You can kind of get that in the text. And it's, you know, it's kind of similar today. If you're, if you're serving wine, for example, to your guests with dinner, and you are a collector of fine wine, you typically would not pour your most expensive bottle of wine from your cellar to someone who really doesn't drink wine. Instead, you may offer them an alternative beverage or at the least um, one that might be a little less expensive. And Mary uses this most expensive gift to anoint Jesus' feet. And the disciples look on aghast as, as they watch her uh, open this bottle of perfume and pour it on Jesus' feet. Now, one of the things you got to understand about generosity, whether it's Mary in this instance, or any kind of generosity, that generosity always elicits a response from those around us, good, bad, or ugly. Uh, Mary's generosity elicits a pretty interesting response from the other disciples, as you've already noted. Judas asks, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? You see, this is a very clever way for Judas to express his opinion without coming off looking like a cheapskate. Instead of simply asking why anyone would use such a precious gift for this purpose, Judas cloaks his comment in this thin veneer of of personal piety by saying, you know, we could use the money that we could sell this perfume for and give it to the poor. Now what Judas is really doing here is he's covering his backside and he's revealing that he has no idea what he just watched. He has no idea. Sure, he saw Mary pour an expensive bottle of perfume all over Jesus' feet, but he was more concerned about the value of the gift than he was about the heart of the giver. Let me say that again. He was more concerned about the value of the gift than he was about the heart of the giver. When my kids were young, they used to come home from school around the holiday season, and those of you who have kids now or in the past know this, and they'd come home with some, some little gift that their teacher had uh, uh, prepared them to make. It was usually you know, a couple uh, popsicle sticks uh, glued together with a little paint uh, uh, splashed on it and maybe a little note, you know, I love you, Mom and Dad, with their school picture in the middle of it or something like that, Right? Now, if we were to base this gift simply on the quality of the gift, you might scratch your head and go, well, what is this? But you see, the value of this gift, of this popsicle stick frame picture of my child is valuable because of the heart of the giver. So John in this text, he clarifies Judas's real motives in the next sentence when he says this. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. One can imagine that the conversation about this, this, this careless act of devotion traveled around the table right then, one uh, disciple, you know, grumbling to the next, to the next, until it made its all the way around the table and back to Jesus himself. And Jesus says, that's enough, leave her alone. This act was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have poor among you, but you will not always have me. Now, I've heard some people interpret this statement of Jesus as the reason why we must be sort of judicious about uh, our generosity, because um, there will always be opportunities for us to give to people in need, right? So, so we always hold a little bit back. That, I've heard that argument many times. But this is not what Jesus means in this text, what Jesus is pointing out in response to Mary's generous gift and the disciples' incessant grumbling is that Mary recognized Jesus' identity. Mary understood that Jesus was a sacrificial Savior who was about to go to the cross, about to go to his own death. And what she did in that moment was perfectly appropriate for, the, for one who was about to be buried. Mary recognized who Jesus is, and the most appropriate way for her to respond was the way that she did in this act of devotion. Mary, I think, <laughs> was one of the only people in the room who understood that Jesus is, uh, Jesus, who Jesus was, and Mary was the only one who was willing, through this act of obedience, Uh, uh, was going to identify Jesus for who he really was. And and Jesus sees her anointing his feet with oil with this expensive perfume and wiping it with her hair as a foreshadowing, There's uh, there's a good movie term, right? As a foreshadowing of the very same preparation that he would undergo before he was placed in the tomb. The other clueless disciples thought that this was about maximizing value of this precious commodity, right? While Mary in this single act of devotion revealed the true nature of who Jesus is. While the other disciples were posturing and making excuses for why they weren't prepared to offer their gifts to Jesus at this time, Mary understood that there was no gift that was too valuable for her to give away right now. And you know what, folks? Living on purpose looks like this. Living on purpose looks more like the way Mary behaved at this dinner party than the way the other disciples responded to her generosity. Living on purpose is understanding that the gifts that we possess are not ours to hold on to, but ours to give away. Unless you think I'm I'm simply referring to monetary gifts, and those can be included in this, by the way. But I'm, I'm not. I'm talking about everything that we have and everything that we are. Some of you are gifted at loving and caring for others in remarkable ways that I watch with utter amazement. You have been richly gifted by God with a loving heart, with patience, with just the right word of encouragement to say to somebody who needs it at the right time. As an act of devotion to Jesus, what are you going to do with that gift? Some of you are gifted leaders. You you understand organizational systems and how people behave in systems and what to do when people misbehave in systems. And because you have that gift, you make leading others look easy. Easy. You use your gift effortly at your place of work, you use your gift in your family, you use your gift in the community, at volunteering in various places, and you are sometimes highly rewarded for the use of that gift of leadership. And as an act of devotion to Jesus, what are you gonna do with that gift? Some people here are gifted teachers, encouragers, prayers, roll up your sleeves and get stuff done kind of people. When you exercise those gifts, this church and God's kingdom is better for it. You have been richly gifted by God with the gift that you have, whatever that might be. And as an act of devotion to Jesus, what are you going to do with that gift? Whatever way God has gifted you, you and I have the same choice that Mary had that day. We, we, can, we can sit aghast with the other disciples rationalizing why, why Mary's act of devotion doesn't make any sense in the grand scheme of things. And given enough time, we can come up with a perfectly reasonable excuse why we should not pour out our perfume or whatever gift you possess at the feet of Jesus. I've done it many times and so have you. Mary, in this story, gives us a picture of what God desires from each of us. The alternative, of course, is is that we can look at Mary's act of worship as an example of what God desires from us, no matter who we are or what gifts we have to offer. We we can look at Mary and we can say to ourselves, wow, do I know what Mary knew about Jesus' identity and what am I willing to do about it? We can say, if Mary can do that... What's stopping me from coming into the presence of the Savior and offering him every gift that I can possibly offer? The point that I'm trying to impress upon you today is that there is no single person in the sound of my voice whether you're sitting in this room right now or worshiping with us online, that has not been gifted by God and who doesn't have a gift to offer. The challenge is whether you and I have the courage, and it is about courage, by the way, the courage to express our devotion to God like Mary. Does Jesus mean enough to us that we would pour out our lives at his feet as an act of devotion? Are we ready and willing to make a bold statement that all that we have and all that we are comes from God? And for that reason, we offer our gifts back to the one from whom it comes. It's your choice in the end. But let me assure you that if you pour out your most precious gifts at the feet of Jesus, there will be some who will look at what you are doing and give you a hundred and one reasons why you should be doing something else. Let me further assure you that if given enough time to think about it, all of us will come up with the perfectly good reason why we can't offer God our gifts today. But here's the counterintuitive character of the kingdom of God, that upside-down character, if you will, where sometimes what we think is the order of things is actually exactly opposite. If we have the courage to pour out our gift at the feet of Jesus, there will be no telling who will be blessed because of that single act of obedience. If we desire to live on purpose, then we must discover that giving as an act of devotion to Jesus is the first step of a life of generosity, a life of meaning, a life filled with purpose. Who of us doesn't want those things? Who of us doesn't want people to look at us and say, wow, that was a generous act? not for our purposes, but just because that's who we are. Who among us doesn't want someone to say that person lives their life with a profound sense of where they're going and where they're from and with meaning that I wish I had? Who among us doesn't want somebody to say you, you appear to live your life in such a way that, that there's a purpose for what you do and why you do it? I wish I had that. So if you find yourself here today, either in the room or watching online, and you're thinking about your purpose in life, I want to suggest to you that one of the ways that you can begin to live into that uh, purposeful kind of living is by getting squared away uh, with your gifts and how you intend to use them. And if you find yourself in a position where you have the opportunity to lay your gifts, whatever they may be, at the feet of Jesus, um, check that and make sure that you don't come up with some lame excuse that, 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 that keeps you from experiencing the joy of doing that. If you're here today and you have never thought about the fact that you've been gifted or you've always thought, you know, there's so many people that are more gifted than I am, how in the world could I offer anything? You know, that, that's kind of a narrative that some of us live with and, and some of us know that that's not true. So I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna be straight with you. that's not true. <laughs> Whoever you are, you are, you are gifted, you have something to offer, the kingdom. And finally, if you find yourself here this, this morning going, you know, it's true, I've taken, I've taken the gifts that God has given me over the course of my life and I've hoarded them or I've stuck them in a box and put them in the closet and I haven't gone back to that box in a long, long time and maybe I should. If that's you today, I want to encourage you when you leave here today or wherever you happen to be to go into that closet, find that box and bring out those gifts. Because God wants to use those gifts for God's kingdom. Whatever, whatever you do, God bless you as you seek to overcome some of the obstacles and the fear that makes it difficult for you to do what Mary did. In this case, if you want to know how to become a more purposeful living person, do what Mary did.